always really interested in sex is he he realized that one of one of the reasons why psychoanalysis doesn't give advice is because and and I remember all hysterics from a psychoanalytic perspective, non-pathologically, some people pathologically hysteric, but we're all hysterics. Because we're to be human is to not be human at all. Is to not be able to be defined. Is to be a question to yourself. Right? And Freud realized that every time you try to answer the question of what a person is, you, it's not helpful. You just don't get anywhere. It's not useful. And it always fails. And if you do that, you will you know, invariably let the person down. Freud was like, no, you let the divided subject be Welcome again. Came back recording this at the end of March. Um, I haven't re- recorded an episode of Time to Talk since January, um, and that is for various reasons, um, which I'll probably get into soon. But I'm joined by Harris. How are you doing? I am. I am doing. I'm here. Today has been. <laughs> today's already been tough, but it's good to be yeah. here. It's good to be here with you. Uh, yeah, I feel you on those tough days. Um, and um, you know the reason why we decided to come together and record um, is because it's a year since Time to Talk, the book was published, and. Um, I thought I would commemorate it in some way. I'm big on anniversaries. I'm big on birthdays and remembrances and assigning things to history, right? And, um, you know, I had these grand plans and <laughs> ideas. It was just like, oh my God, I wanted to go and do like a live event. I wanted to do... Uh, a birthday thing and then I I just got to a point where I just lost all the motivation Mm. lost all the motivation to do it and you know it's a it's a huge achievement writing a book Mm. Um, and over time I've come to terms with the fact that I've done that right and it was just it just felt like I. it got to a stage where it wasn't like I wanted to do something to commemorate this book. It was I had to do something to commemorate mm. this book. And, um, the, yeah, and I'm bringing this up and I'm doing this with Harris because going forward, I know that some people have been listening to the show and been kind of going in and out, maybe, um, the show and we've done episodes called Talk More where we've had conversations, fluid conversations that's about loads of different stuff um, but yeah it's just um, but yeah no uh, so just to formally introduce you as the new co-host of Time to Talk mm. so it's no longer Time to Talk with Alex Holmes, it's Time to Talk 
the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is the birth. That is the birthday present. Oh man, that's it. That's well, it feels like a present to me. It's um, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. I don't know. I think I sent you a message a while ago, and I was like, I remember the first day that I heard you on a podcast, mm. and I was walking on Kilburn High Road, and I said to myself. I need to meet this guy. I have to meet this guy. And one day, I need to do a podcast with him. Here we are. I think that that is so wild. That is so wild. And you know what is actually really interesting? What, the what? thing is, right, you essentially made that happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, spoke, we've spoken about this this week. It's so, true. guys, it's a bit of a, like, a peek behind the curtain of, of, our, of our life. <laughs> To be my friend generally means I'm sending you random links to fill out and do things. <laughs> and um, I, I had a conversation with somebody that reached out to me on Instagram. And we had a long chat. And he actually um, sent me this link to do this thing called human design. Mm. And um, I was like... You know me. I'm I'm a I'm a huge stickler for a personality test. I love a I love a Myers Briggs. I love a Zodiac chat. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I went to this thing called Human Design, and um, and I was and I filled it in, filled in the form, filled in the, the necessary things, and uh, I, it, it, what came up for me is like so it assigns you. To it, it uses your birthday, it uses your um, the t- obviously your time when you're born, and then there's various different things, and um, to assign you several uh, energy types. Mm-hmm. And I think let me even just find what these energy types are. Do you remember what they are? Uh, I'm just looking now. So manifester, generator, projector. And reflector. Right. So. And manifest the generator as well. Right. So uh, there are there are those five uh, energy types, right? And um, I filled mine in, and mine came out as a projector, mm. which means I'm very aura centered. I'm energy based. I have to be invited before I reveal. I have to be allowed permission to enter that space before I reveal stuff. And um, it's so interesting because you saying that you were walking down the street and you said I have to be in a podcast with this with this guy <laughs> is wild because you did this test and you came up as a manifesting generator. Yeah. And. Manifesting generators and projectors work very well together because yeah. we could. Go, <laughs> <laughs> I harness. <laughs> the projector harnesses the energy. Yeah. yeah. And the manifester generator creates it. Mm. So it's, it just becomes quite serendipitous, you know, that we end up here mm. doing this podcast together. Um, because I waited for the invitation, mm-hmm. I accepted the invitation, 
you manifested the situation. <laughs> it arrived. <laughs> when, it's, it sounds very graceful. When, when Alex says I manifested, it sounds very zen and like very chill. But really, it was a whole lot of hustle by, and by crook and by hook. And, and it was a lot of... Uh, and yeah, you know what? It's interesting. <laughs> it's important, though, because it's important to say just because, you know, we go through we go through period periods and elements of our lives, right? Mm. Where things are just, things, things just take up our, yeah. take up our worlds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I true. think we, what we met back in what, 2017? Yeah. I think if not before. It's 2022. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a bit, so it's a bit like, Things had to happen in between those what yeah. five years in order for there to be space in order yeah. for this to happen. And so yeah, man, I'm grateful for you. And um, Richard is the co-host. Uh, we're going to be having some dope conversations. We've got loads of ideas, of course, of course, because <laughs> um, you know, I, I, as a quote unquote projector. <laughs> I'm seen as the seer, so I see things happening. It'll be this that this way, yeah. And Rich makes it happen, and you'll notice I call him between Rich and Harris because that's how he that's how he decides to call himself. <laughs> his name is Richard Harris, but big and cheese, yeah. But just call him one of the two. Um, you know what's really interesting? Now, this is just before you sent me that human design um, the chart. I was I was walking in the park with a friend of mine and I was talking about this kind of this whole season of my life I would say from like Q4 last year the main theme for me has been kind of returning to my intuition understanding intuition as not just a set of like feelings not just a kind of like random you know, set of signifiers in my body, but actually, um, I think it was Brené Brown who described intuition as kind of like the final stage output of a lot of uh, data collection and aggregation, and then running through all of the data that you may have collected. So, like, you know, you t you take in experiences over say ten years, and you organize all of that data into um, like familiar fields, and then when you have an, a moment where your intuition is coming to the fore, it's basically processing through all of that data really quickly and churning out an answer that is kind of, I don't know, precognitive or something. So you're not thinking it through, but you're, yeah, you're working through all that data in your emotional core. So the, the thing that was coming up for me was learning to trust in my intuition learning to trust in that inner um, inner work because and to see it as a form of work, like to see it as a form of intelligence in the same way that, you know, you could probably leaf through your mind and think, oh, where was that quote? Oh, it's from this book, from that author, from 10 years ago, whatever. There's a sense in which emotionally um, I have a similar kind of ability um, when working through information. So... Alex and I were walking the other day. <laughs> this is like, what, three, four days ago. We were walking together and I saw someone walking towards us just out of the corner of my eye. 
um, as we were, as Alex and I were chatting, and I and I just reached over and I said, "Oh, sorry, I got to stop you," and started talking to him. And afterwards, Alex was like, <laughs> "I can't even remember what you said, but you were like, that's so you, man. What? Like, yeah, I would never do that." And I was saying, you know, the thing that that I've learned is that often those random or seemingly random interactions turn into something very meaningful, very important. Um, but it's that prompting to say the thing, whatever it is, um, and to engage. Um, and and I think that, it, yeah, so this, this season has really been about learning to recognise that and to kind of lean into that. Um, and then so when you sent me the chart, it, it really does reflect what you're saying, the manifesting generator. There is a sense in which when I follow my intuition, I sense what something could be, even before all of the pieces are there to necessarily figure out or articulate why it can be that thing. Um, but as I pursue and follow those kind of threads or those strands, then yeah, it can grow into something. Like, so there was no reason when I heard your podcast, the first time I just heard you talking on the intro and I didn't even know where you were based. I didn't know, I didn't know anything, but I was just like, nah, this guy. Um, yeah, and I think that there was something intuitively there that felt very resonant with you, very resonant with what you were about um, and and what you wanted to do. And I think we've, we I mean, we've seen that, you know, play out um, and really bear fruit especially over the last year, you know, doing the school's workshops, really working with groups of, of young people and, and talking to young men about masculinity and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting what you say because I even explained to you my theory about you stopping... Rich, Rich just stops everybody and tells them, and tells them like, like, not, not, just, not just anybody that they look dope but like he actually stops actual people who look dope that they, and tells wow. them that they look dope and I think it's so important that people have that in their life you know, mm. because it's so affirming like you could just be outside you know that you look good yourself yeah. essentially you know you look somewhat presentable <laughs> and you go outside and then you bump into someone like Rich he says you know what you look you actually look really dope I like, I like the coat I like the shoes I like the hair, I like the beard, I like the the, the, the dress, I yeah. like the tick, I like everything. Everything yeah. just looks set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know this man from anywhere, yeah. but he's telling you and that stuff will stick with you and then you go forward and you're like, yeah, actually I feel kinda yeah. that's the kind of person you are. And for me I always joke about this on various things. I'm just like, don't don't stop me in the street. Don't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, because I'm not gonna do that. But I'm actually a very welcoming person, right? Um yeah. But for me, I have to be, I have to, I have to wait for the invitation. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I've got to be invited into that space. So mm -hmm. if I was the person walking and then you said to me, oh, and I'd be, I'd be like, oh, thanks, man. And then we would have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Or if I saw somebody doing that, I'd probably, it, 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 it would probably be a completely different dynamic because I would I I have to wait for that that approval. Yeah, and not necessarily not an approval of my character, of my being, of my personhood, 
but it's just that level of what's my energy saying? Mm. What is this person's energy saying? Mm. Am I invited into this space? Yes or no. Mm. Um, but I've got to also allow people, I've got to allow that invitation because I can just trust that aura. You know yes. what I mean? Like yes. if, I'm, if I walk into a room and there's many different energies happening yeah. in one place, yeah. but I trust that my aura is calm, welcoming, yes. open, and good. All I need to do is just go somewhere and, and stand And the right people will come. And this is what I'm saying. And this okay. is the funniest thing, because okay. I was at a party back in November, and I remember just being at the bar, minding my business, reading the menu, you know. <laughs> That's all I was doing. That's all I was doing. <laughs> I was reading the menu. And... Um, all of a sudden, I'm in some big, big, big flow conversation with people that I've never met before in my life. <laughs> and my friend, my friend came over to me, and she was like, "Oh, do you know these people?" I'm like, "I have no idea who these people. Are. Get me out of this room <laughs> right now, so we can talk outside, please." So I get. <laughs> but it was really good because yeah. I was in a space of recep of reception, mm. and. The invitation was there. Yes. But I can choose whether to reject the invitation or accept the or invitation. Accept it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They came, presented an invitation, essentially, do what do you want to speak? Mm -hmm. I could have said no, mm -hmm. I do not. And then moved on. Mm -hmm. Um, but previously my lesson is that I have also been in situations where I've not wanted to accept the invitation but mm -hmm. felt I've had to and I've been right. and I've ended up in places where I should not have yeah, been. Yeah, 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 and yeah. and that's the whole point of me in my in my human design is yeah. about you know, instinct yeah. and trusting instincts and listening to it and all yeah. these different things. And it's just so interesting. I mean, it, whether you believe these things or not, or whether you want to, I think there's always, you know, personal and interrogation mm -hmm. and investigation of yourself is always good. So I'm going to leave a link in the bottom, in the show note, if people want to get into that yeah, um, and have a look. It's really, um, it's really good. The thing, can I, the two things that that, that, that brought up for me, really quickly the first thing i think is something that i've learned is that people are very distracted so i really resonate with what you're saying about like feeling the energy and waiting for the invitation but what i've noticed a lot of the time when i'm out people are so shut down and i don't think that a lot of people really i don't want to say they don't tap into their energy or but maybe they're not as present do you know what I'm saying? Mm. To really be doing what you're doing um, in terms of like feeling out the room and like just flowing with whatever the, the energy or the intention is. Um, and, and I see that a lot of times, like when I actually talk to someone, it's like they wake up um, and suddenly you see this person, whereas before it was just like, you know, they're, and you know, it can be simple as, buried in a book or just zoned out to a piece of music or whatever or Sudoku or Candy Crush or whatever it is like you know what I mean we're all doing our thing trying to get from just trying to get through Jesus um, <laughs> but that's something that I've noticed um, the other thing that, that I was going to say is for this this started for me when I was quite young because I noticed we're very quick to criticize people very very quick to criticize people and we'll do it out loud we'll do it to their face um but the amount of times i was out with people 
and they said, "Oh my God, look at that person! They look so amazing." And that, and I would say, "Oh, did you, did you tell them?" And they'd be like, "Oh my God, no, 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 no! I could never, I could never!" And I was like, "Why? Like, surely they would want to hear that." Um, but everyone that I spoke to was like, "No, no, no! I could never." So I just thought, you know what? I'm going to start doing this because I know if someone came up to me and said, "Oh, I love that jacket, or I love those shoes, or I love whatever, whatever," that would that could change my day. You know, whatever, mm. I was having a terrible day um, and just some random person came with something good. Um, so I just said, you know, the, the thing that stops me from doing that is embarrassment, is fear. Um, and all I really have to lose probably is a little bit of pride or ego. And I was like, mm. I think it's worth the, worth the risk, worth the exchange. Um, so I just started For sure. doing it. For sure. Mm. So, let's go. Sorry. Right. So, um, that then really leads nicely then onto um, time to talk, I suppose, mm. because I guess the in- I guess it's a question of the initiation, you mm-hmm. versus the invitation, me, mm. and um, bringing forth a party of sorts. Mm. Um, so we have time to talk. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it's been a year since this book has been out. It's been three, four years since this podcast has been up. Mm. What do you think of this podcast <laughs> so far, of what's been, what's been built so far? I think as with everything you do, Alex, it is incredibly powerful, incredibly substantive, um, and I think you've, again, created a lane, created a, a space um, that is both very timely, but very distinct and very fresh at the same time. Does that make sense? Um, so I feel like you're very in line with like what is happening in culture, what is like the kind of I almost want to say the kind of collective social emotional seasons that we go through. Um, But it's also, for me anyway, I don't see a lot of people doing this kind of mental health, um, kind of these kind of conversations, don't hear them having these kind of conversations in the way that you're having them. Um, And I'm... Yeah, I, I, I frustrate I frustrate Alex <laughs> because I am a non-linear thinker. So I see disparate things connected in ways that other people do not see them connected and don't understand. Um, and so usually when I look at something that you're doing, I'm like, yeah, but this could also be that. And it could be this and it ties into that and it ties into this and we could do this and we could do that. And Alex is like, but what's the plan? <laughs> Um, so do you know what it is though at the big at, at, like on the on the on the widest of generally generally uh-huh. i trust mm. i trust what you say because i see it yeah it's just my thing is the okay how do we set about this journey to yes get there yes yes because you know in the conversations we've had half the time you've said something uh-huh. you've said an idea and i've 
like paused and just seen it happen. The pauses. And I'm like, and I'm like, yes, yeah, okay. And then I'm like, but how do we get from here? Yeah, where we are to there. Yeah, that's the frustration. Yes, yes, yes. Not you frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm glad when you when you provide an avenue. Yeah, I'm just like, all right, but. I want to get to that avenue. So yeah. how do I? Gotcha. How do we get there? That and that's the frustration gotcha. in between. Gotcha, gotcha. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I think I was. I was just gonna say, I'm. I'm excited for now. I'm excited for this. Seeing what you've built and the kind of platform that you've created, because I think it's really poised to now go in a number of different directions um, to begin to address. Um, some of these issues that you're really passionate about, that we're really passionate about. Um, yeah. So I'm just, I don't want to give away too much, but I am just yeah. very, very excited. I want to ask you about the book. All right. Okay. What so, do you want to ask me about the book? I was listening to Peter Rollins, uh, shout out Pete, the other day, and, um, and he was talking about uh, desire. And one of the things that he mentioned was that he wrote a book. And he was saying, he said, publishing a book is the most anticlimactic thing. <laughs> um, and I really was looking forward to this conversation because I kind of wanted to, to tease that and, and ask you about that experience. And I've heard a number of different authors say this. There's so much work that goes into creating a book. There's so much forethought. There's so much anticipation. There's so many different elements that go into bringing this body of work together and putting it out into the world. What was that experience like, number one? And number two, a year later, as you look back, what lessons have you learned from that, from the actual process of, of bringing that project into being? Remind me of the first question you asked. What was the process like? What was the process like? Of and bringing, what have I learned? Yeah, bring it together. Okay. And what have you learned? Um, the process. I mean, I just to say, I do. I love Peter Rollins. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it's the Irish accent. It definitely or, helps. But it's definitely that authority, that authoritative. Kind of, uh -huh. This is what it is. Uh -huh. and, uh -huh. um, do you want to go to Wake? Shall we go to Wake? Don't know what that is, but okay. It's his, it's his like festival in Ireland. Why not? Let's go. Yes, yeah, do it because you know you only live once, <laughs> and, and I've always wanted to go to Ireland. You know? I think like, I think I think I need reasons to go places. Yeah, typically. Um, process the process of writing the book was very difficult. It was a very hard year. Not like not made any easier by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote it in 2020, for those who didn't know. The process was this. In 2019, I was commissioned to write the book in October. Um, I was contracted to start writing the book from January 2020. Um, and I was meant to have everything in, like, into the publisher by September 2020. Which was which is all good, you know. It's nine months, 
it's like birthing a child, I suppose. <laughs> Which I would never have the experience of ever doing physically. But I can imagine the amount of time and effort and labour you've got to put into creating something and then putting it out there. Mm. Emotionally, that was a lot. But um, it 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 was it was tough because I had all these grand ideas about what it meant to be a writer and to because I've always wanted to be a writer. I had all these grand ideas about what it meant to write a book. I'm gonna go on holiday. I'm gonna write by the beach. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go to this mm-hmm. part of the country. I'm gonna spend like a week in this place, and I'm gonna just get all my creative juices flowing and write something that I could be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not the process. Um, uh, what happened was we got thrown into a pandemic. I barely met my editorial team mm-hmm. because obviously everything was done remotely. Um, where I'm, it was nice to kind of meet people physically, you know, just prior to that doesn't mean people physically was always nice picking up the energies and stuff of people but yeah barely got to meet my my team um and then there were just like itty bitty bits in between the you know getting the getting the book out getting it edited all of this different stuff i mean there were so many different things that i wasn't um expecting mm-hmm. Or had no knowledge of mm-hmm. um, and the pressure of writing it and even interviewing some of the people in the book was super emotionally triggering wow. for me um, so I was in therapy all the way through it and I had huge frustrations again a frustration with the journey mm. not that not the result um, so it was um, it was a really tough time I think I submitted that I submitted the book. I went offline and I just <laughs> went to like a hotel and I just uh, found myself in a hotel sleeping for probably like two days. Mm. <laughs> Wake up, Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> Prosecco and Prosecco and vibes. That's all it was, all it was <laughs> for me. And I just went back to sleep because I was proud that I had written this book. Yeah. But I was also exhausted emotionally yeah. and mentally for having written this book. And then the nerves kick in, knowing that between between September and April 21, it was going to come out. So it was all a bit, it was all a lot. And then the publicity process of it all. Yeah being on this place, being on that place. I thought it was, I had these ideas of like, oh, what if it gets to national television? <gasps> Would I be on TV? Mm. Oh my God. I was just, I could just feel sick at the thought. <laughs> 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 um, and all the while, I just felt like I just didn't have it together. Yeah. Like, you know, when you see all these authors, like you mentioned Brene Brown. Yeah. You mentioned... Peter Rollins, you know, you've got all of these people who, when they are speaking about their topic, they like they know their topic inside out. Mm. And I was like, am I even an expert in any of this? Like, why, yeah. why are people asking me about this? Like, why yeah. was I even asked mm. to do this book? <laughs> like, do I have the range? And um, a lot of the imposter syndrome was kicking in. Yeah. Um, so the process was quite turbulent, I would say. But 
and you know, I, I just had to, I, I think one of the best things that could have happened to me, um, and I, and I'm careful of how I say this and how this, how I want this to come across, but was the lockdowns. And I know that it wasn't really beneficial for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of friends who it wasn't beneficial for and I've lost people throughout this pandemic mm. and it's not been great. However, it was good for me because I could spend a lot of time working on the stuff I needed to work on. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't, you mentioned distracted earlier. Yeah. I wasn't, I had I had no room for distraction because I was in, I was, face, I was facing myself every day. Yeah. Like, yeah. literally facing myself mm. every day, battling myself in these same four walls, trying to figure out what I was doing, how I was doing it, whether I'm say- whether what I'm saying is is good enough, whether what I'm who I am is good enough. Mm. What do I have to learn about myself? Am I accomplished in one thing? Do I know enough about one thing? Mm. My worst fear is going somewhere and speaking on stuff that I have no idea about. I'm blagging my way through to stuff. I want to be confident in what I'm saying. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of just, um, yeah, there was a lot of learning to do. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Mm. It's interesting to hear you say that even through the process of writing the book, which I think very clearly demonstrates your insight and your aptitude um that you were still asking yourself am i an expert do i have the range do i know what i'm talking about basically um how have you challenged that voice when it comes up because we were talking about this the other day um and you know the conversation was very much around what have I done? Where am I? What is this? And I was like, excuse me, Mr. International Podcaster, Mr. Author, Mr. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just just about cracking 30 and, and dealing, you... dealing death blows to the rest of us who have been at this for a lot longer. <laughs> it, that, that's the bit, those are the bits that make me feel even worse. What? Yeah, you know no, why? and I feel like no, but no. Okay, when I say make me, I'm I'm phrasing this in the present, but I don't necessarily. I've had to get through a lot of that stuff, okay, and unblock a lot of that stuff because I can't keep going through that, and people yeah. selling me things and I can't accept it. Yes, it's yes, not. Yes. It's not right for yeah. me. It's not a good, energetic feeling. Mm-hmm. So, my thing was this. I was like, I'll be like, I'm, I'm. And this is about the whole invitation thing and and stuff. Mm. But I, like, I'm telling you, like, I don't feel good about myself. This is what I don't mm. feel. I don't feel like I don't. I don't. I don't see what you see. I don't. Mm. <laughs> I don't feel it, and mm-hmm. I don't see it. Mm-hmm. And then when people are like, "But you know, you've got the book, and you've got the podcast, you've got the this, the that," and I'm just like, I've got all of these things, but I still don't feel it. Am I ungrateful? Am I, mm. is there something wrong with me? Like, why don't I, why don't I feel any of this stuff? Why can't I, you know, get a grip and get it together? 
and um, it was just. Wait, I mean, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, Before you move on, I, I want to drill down on that a little bit because I mm-hmm. also, I also want to really. I'm interested to hear from people who are listening to this mm-hmm. whether they resonate with that or not. So, is that a case of? Is that about identity? Is it a disconnect between what I do and who I am? I've written and published a book, but am I really a writer? I have years of experience podcasting, talking about mental health. Am I an expert in this field? Is is this is that the thing or is it something else? Right. So as some of you know, and as you, as you know, um, I'm... I'm a trainee psychotherapist, mm. so I've had to sit down and dig up myself. <laughs> um, and one thing I've one thing I've come to learn is about identity and belief. Mm. And if you if you have a certain set of belief and values, mm. that affects your identity, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And when I was and when I started therapy, actually, actually as a client going to a therapist, I, I had a huge, I had a huge belief and value block. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced similar, but the idea is that when you have, when you have a, when you are fixed and attached to an idea of who you are. Yeah. So for example, If you're a ballet dancer mm-hmm. and you've been praised all your life for being a ballet dancer and then you break your foot and then you you are now an accountant working in a city law firm but you are so attached to this idea of being a ballet dancer mm. but, the, but the fact that you cannot be a yeah. ballet dancer yeah is the thing that is so when people say things to you now it's reminding you of that failure of that dream deferred yeah. of that it's lost all of that all of yeah. that stuff is it's lost there. so yeah. for me i was all oh, grew up you're intelligent you're yeah. you're the smart one yeah. you're the this that and the other you're the reader you're all this stuff i was like okay cool so mm. Therefore, I am then the writer, and mm-hmm. therefore, I, but I'm also the oldest child. Mm-hmm. I'm also the, the the I'm also the trailblazer, mm-hmm. the first to go to university, first to write a book, mm-hmm. first to start a podcast, mm-hmm. first to lead, like um, all of these different things, right? Yeah. So it's like even the idea of the first to leave home and went to university mm-hmm. away for five years, and then you come back. Mm-hmm. So then all of these things that you have ad- ad- attached yourself to, yeah. these notions and ideas of success and yeah. being yeah. are shattered around you. Yeah. And so when people tell me now that I'm X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. my belief system was already telling me that, no, you're not. You're a failure. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Like, if I don't walk around and see my book in all of these bookstores... Mm-hmm. And have people doing Instagram stories about them or doing TikToks with my book or mm-hmm. doing all this different stuff. You're a failure. Mm. Your book is useless. Your book is X, Y, and Z. You know, mm. or people say you're a podcaster. Um, you know, you've got a really good podcast. And then I'm like, well, 
what like okay cool but is it as big as x y and z's no so therefore it's not a good podcast mm. and it's about and i've had to sit down and reframe all of these stuff and i still struggle with a lot of these things yeah but the question to answer your to actually answer your question about how do i change that is that i <laughs> i had to really cultivate a sense of self-love thing yeah so i was even walking down the stairs the other day and my my inner voice my inner critic was like it said something it said something like have you even like have you even lost weight mm-hmm. like what are you doing mm-hmm. like you're moving mad like look at the way you're walking like you're just effer lumping down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> and then but you know what's funny though because oh, wow. I reframe that mm-hmm. I'm like and then a part of me is just like well okay so I am effer lumping down the stairs because I'm tired okay <laughs> right? and and I can't be light footed all the time <laughs> right and yeah the belly might be there it might be it might not be but who cares? Yeah. I'll eat this food. I'm hungry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that when, when I, it's like tackling and challenging that each time, mm. each time something comes up and some days, you know, you, you don't, you, you're not, you don't hit it every time. Yeah. Like today I'm in this, I'm in this space as well, mm-hmm. but you don't hit it all the time, but you just have to be like, well, okay, cool. Mm. You know, I'm. Mm. You just have to, but you just know that it's not for it's not forever and it's temporary. I mean, have you ever been through? What have you been through in this? With that? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, very very interesting. So there's so much to take in and so much to process, and I'm correlating what you said with lots of my own experiences. Um, I think so let me just say what what you described in terms of like you know the interesting thing is that they began as affirmations they began as praise and those things became almost like a weight on your shoulders Um, the expectation that came along with them Um, and I think the thing that was really interesting for me in listening to that was, isn't it interesting how kind of subtly we form our identity in order to please and appease those around us that we love or value. Um, And not necessarily we form our identity to be our own self. Does that make sense? And that what you what you were describing to me sounded like the undoing, the unraveling of that old identity and the reforming and rebuilding of your own identity now, um, which is a really hard thing to do. Um, and I think I've, I've had a number of these different experiences of, of unraveling, um, Yeah, I worked for a long time um, in in the church. So I was a, a youth pastor for, gosh, more than half my life. Um, 
And when I left that role, exactly what you're saying about the ballerina, I really struggled to understand how to define who I was. Because for so many years, since the age of 16, I had been a youth pastor. I'd been someone who worked with young people. And and for me, there was so much value and, and experience wrapped up in that in terms of really helping people figure out who they were becoming, um, helping people through difficult times, uh, working with people to you know, stitch communities together and, and to bring, you know, healing and, and, and help. Um, and so when I wasn't in that role, I felt like a real loss of, yeah, loss of value. Of like, what impact am I having now? You know, I used to get up every week and speak to 100, 200, 300 people. Now I get up and I've only got one sock on and here I am in my kitchen trying to, <laughs> trying to muster up the the enthusiasm to make a bowl of cereal um it hit different but you know the 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 interesting thing for me has been going through this process like you described of, of beginning to unravel lots of those expectations um and to shed the i i can't i almost want to say the presentation of personhood that became, air quotes, my personality, um, and to begin to lean into forming my own character or listening to my own character um, and letting that manifest in, in the world. Um, but it's it, it's been very difficult, um, but it's really, interesting, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see which parts of my former self are still there like they're in the bedrock and I think that in some sense what it what it comes down to for me is someone saw something in you that was true and rightly called it out and said oh you're very good at this or you know you're really intelligent or I noticed that you're always reading books which is great I think the challenge that I'm recognizing is where I have attached not just value to that thing, but I think where I have attached, I have value because of that thing. I think that's where the, the mis kind of formation comes in. And now I'm at a place where I, I can let, everything well not everything i'm not i'm not saying that i'm done but i'm 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 entering into a space where i can hold things very lightly um and i can let them go quite easily uh and the more i'm able to do that the less of this pressure the less of the conformity um the less weights i feel on my shoulders um so I'm becoming more free to just be me. And if I'm going to paint, I can paint. If I'm going to go out and take some photographs, I'm going to go and take photographs. If I'm going to go and give a lecture on theology, I can do that. If I'm going to go and talk to young people about mental health, I can do that. 
um, and I can be good or great at all of those things and still none of those things need to define me. Um, those things are not who I am. They're things that I do. I think before what I did was so integral to who I was that who I was got lost. Um, and so any failure at what I did was a failure of person. Whereas now I can paint a picture and it can be terrible and I can fail. And I'm able to have that distinction where I can say that painting failed, that exhibition failed, mm. that showing was not successful. Um, that piece of output did not generate what I wanted to do. Um, and that's not subtracting from who I am in my person. Um, yeah. there's, there's, there's process in that failing. There's learning in that failing. Thank you. Like, I think that's really, really interesting. I mean, a lot of this stuff I've, I've put in the book because I feel like I'm always reminded about what's in there whenever I'm, I'm in a conversation like this because yeah. I always forget. Yeah. I don't go to the book often. Yeah. I, I sometimes flick through it just to remind myself that I wrote something. <laughs> and also as resources yeah. for my coaching clients. Yeah. Too. Um, but I guess it's I, when people always come to me and they're always like, how, how, how? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Because there's always this thing where I'm like, when I left journalism, for those of you who don't know, if you're new here. This resonates, boy. If, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're new to this, if you're new to this space, um, and I left journalism, I was a journalist for four or five years. And when I left journalism, I had no plan. I literally just left the the building and I looked outside mm -hmm. and I felt this weight fall off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And then Christmas came and then, and then New Year came and everybody was going back to work and I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to not, to not to be unshackled and unburdened by things, right? Mm. Um, I had no plan. I had no idea what I would be doing. I thought I'd be freelance. I think I thought I'd be freelance writing. I thought I'd be doing all these different things. I just wasn't doing that. I couldn't mm -hmm. find a new, I couldn't find a job after mm -hmm. I couldn't do any of this stuff. And mm -hmm. I was just there and people, everyone's like, now a lot of people are like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I'm just thinking if I hadn't have just gone with my instinct mm -hmm. and just left, I wouldn't have been able to f make the room for what I needed to make the room for. Yeah. I think if I'd, if I'd gone in, I mean, I've got people, I've got friends who want to leave jobs and leave things. And I'm not the kind of person that'd be like, leave your job. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always be like, do you want to leave your job? Yeah. Because this is, I mean, it's, it's fine. And I mean, I'm, I, my time is my own, mm -hmm. but there's a, there's a cost with it mm -hmm. as with anything mm -hmm. you either have time or you don't have money <laughs> or you have money but you don't have time uh -huh. you're only in the jackpot if you if you're super super rich <laughs> you can have time and you can have time and money because your money your time costs money sort of thing if that's you but and like, you're listening to this hit me up <laughs> <laughs> so it's like when i look at it and i just think to myself 
I had to just look at it and think, you know what? Whatever you guys decide, you're going to make the decision that's right for you mm. at this moment in time. And it's not for everybody. And I think we had this whole thing during the pandemic where everybody was like, if you aren't doing something with self-development or if you aren't mm. creating or having in getting a new job or finding new streams of income and all this different stuff, if you're not investing in cryptocurrency <laughs> and NFTs and starting a business and changing the world, <laughs> then you've wasted the pandemic and, and <laughs> lockdown and all your time. I'm just like, people chill out. We're on this real wild productivity hamster wheel. Mm. and it's this capitalistic idea that we are not of value mm. unless we are doing are producing something mm-hmm. and it's and you know I was like I'm not of value because I'm not producing a best selling book yeah. I'm not of value because I'm not producing a top 10 podcast that's up there with you know the, the people that you see on the charts <laughs> I'm not of value because I don't have a six pack <laughs> I'm not of value because you know what I mean all of these different things and it's just like mm. you are your best value you literally are your best value talk more about that I, I, and this is why you know and this is why and this is why what I said to you about what you do when you walk down the street and you mm. stop people and you tell them that they look good and you remind them. Mm. It's not about. It's not just about. It's not saying. It's not saying. You're not saying to them you're beautiful. Mm. You're not saying to them you're attractive. Mm. In that you are physically attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the important thing is that when you're stopping people and you're saying to them, you know, you look dope. I like your choices that you made. Mm. Not that not that it matters to you what I think, mm-hmm. but I'm just affirming the fact that you made those decisions that morning mm-hmm. and take it how you will. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I like the decisions you made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You won't wear that, probably. <laughs> you probably wouldn't do that. But you see what I mean? Like yeah. you would say like and and that and you know that it's that idea of value that is important. Because it's not saying you only have value to look attractive to other people mm. when you go outside, but which is probably what a lot of people do when they get changed and they get ready to go outside. It's, oh, I want to look attractive to other people mm. and I want to look good for other people. Mm. And I think it's, or I want to do this job because it makes my parents happy or because I fit in with this crowd. And which is what I was doing. I was, when I was in journalism I was wanting to do it because as I said I was the first born so mm-hmm. I was in the first full time professional job that had access to so many different things I was around friends who were bankers and lawyers and like killing it in their fields mm-hmm. and I was like okay I've got to kill it in my field because I belong here and mm-hmm. I didn't belong there um, like it was, it's honest it's just it's the truth I didn't I didn't belong there I was I was I was faking the fact that I was just in these spaces because I was like ultimately I don't enjoy it here yeah this is this is none of this none of this feels like me mm. but I'm just doing it because if I don't do it I won't have any value 
if I don't own a house, I won't have any value yeah. to anybody. If yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. All of these different things that you that I'm learning yeah. as I go through all of this. So when mm. people say to me, Alex, oh, I want to leave my job, I want to do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, what do you want to do? Why do you want to leave your job? Mm. What is the what what is this? What are the steps you're taking to do that? That's good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, and then it's a question because then people start to because then it's a it's a difference between just an empty wish. Yeah. You know, and people because I used to say that all the time when I was working, I was I want to leave my job. Mm. I was not leaving there. I was not leaving there that week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We have, we have bills to pay. Yeah. But there's some people that I speak to and they're like, I want to leave my job. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what's the plan? They're like, look, I've got this, I've got this idea for this thing. Um, and I've checked out the website, the domain names <laughs> and all this stuff. I'm like, all oh, right, you sound like you're well ahead. Then what's up in your <laughs> Um, And then it's a, and then it becomes a conversation and it just becomes a thing and we, and we can go forward in that. But on, it's just the, the value thing, the belief system and the value system are so important. Mm. Because then they shift, they shift our identities. I was, as I said, I was so attached to this identity of being a writer, mm-hmm. or being the best possible something, for the wrong reasons. Yeah. N- never for myself. Yeah. Always for what other people could say about me. Okay. And that's where, and that's where I started to make the, the make the shift. Mm-hmm. Because people will be like, "Alex, your writing's dope," and I'd be like. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> thank you. Like, literally, literally, thank you. Like, thank you for telling me that. Yeah. Like I appreciate what it what it took, took you for to you tell me to. This. Yes. Do you yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. However, yes. For, like for me, I'm consistently working on stuff. I'm consistently mm-hmm. working on stuff. I want to make sure that I am proud of what you put out, what I put out, yeah. where it's at, why it's you know what I mean the the energy and effort that I put into things. So I'm consistently studying and learning from other people. Mm-hmm. And the same people that tell me my writing's up is the people I'm learning from. Mm-hmm. L- largely, mm-hmm. a large amount of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's a process. And we've, we're thrown into this system without any choice at all. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, from, from school and then things, it's hard. So, I want to ask about value. Because this seems to be at the crux of this this whole conversation. Where does value come from? What is it? Where does value come from? Mm. Do you know what conditions of worth are? No. When I when I'm studying, um, we study a guy called Carl Rogers, mm-hmm. and he's basically known as the father of person-centered therapy. Mm-hmm. And what he understood was that external factors could affect how we value, yes, or measure our self-worth, yeah, based on our ability to meet certain conditions yeah. we believe are essential. All right. Now, where is the first interaction that you have with external factors as a human? Usually a primary carer, so we're typically talking about mum and dad. Okay. So, if you've got a 
mum or a dad or a parent, whoever, mm-hmm. who says, if you don't do well in school, you're not a good person. If you don't do well in school, you're not going to do anything in life. Mm-hmm. If you don't clean the dishes, daddy's going to be angry at you. Yeah. Because you're going to be a bad child. If you don't do as you're told, you're a bad child, therefore you are going to be punished, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, we look at that as relatively normal in some ways, which in some ways it's not, but I mean, we look at it as relatively normal in some ways, okay? It's common, not necessarily normal, but yeah. it's common. Right? It's giving, it's giving, I will love you if. Yes, right. Uh-huh. There we go. Uh-huh. So some of the... It can go in many two ways. Mm-hmm. A lot of children and young people or people who are victims of abuse mm-hmm. are told that if you tell anybody about this, you are you will be X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right? So your value system is already set up to... not trust yourself mm-hmm. that's what that's where the value comes in that's what you believe locked in yeah. <laughs> there you are at the age of whatever age you are six for example you know there are some there are some young children out there who are going through awful and horrendous things yeah. okay and locked in done mm. if I say anything I will be punished done mm-hmm. locked in if I am to be of any value, I must please others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Locked in. If I am to be of any value, I must not cry. Mm-hmm. Locked in. If I am to be of any value, I must not show any weakness. Mm-hmm. Locked in. We build these. We build these values mm-hmm. because we are believing what is presented to us, um, how we are reacted to. Mm-hmm by initially our primary carers and then our extended family mm. and then our friends and our schools and our environment mm. and we step outside it's just the world mm. the things that we see you know you could be a two-year-old boy who likes playing with barbie dolls but your dad mm-hmm. has said to his mom stop giving him the barbie dolls when he wants when he cries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, but you step outside now, get bullied. Yep. So all of these different things. So when it comes to when it comes to my when it comes to value systems and the way that we understand value mm. and where it comes from, just to answer your question, mm-hmm. it comes from other people. Mm. <laughs> so, simply, simply put. And these are the con- and and conditions of worth are something that we are we hear so often. Mm-hmm. Just growing up, just in our lives. So, to the listeners, what is one condition of worth that you can draw a direct line from, from your childhood to present day? Because this this whole structure is sounding very much to me like the big other. 
the concept of the big other, which in kind of very, very brief and, and layman's terms, it is these, it's the external narrative of primary carer, parent, um, kind of like Alex's, the affirmations that became, you know, conditions of worth for you. Um, or these kind of aphorisms, you know, work hard, be successful, um, don't show any weakness, don't get angry, don't cry. Uh, they begin externally and over time you internalize them so that whoever is feeding that narrative to you, they may not even be in your life anymore for one reason or another, but their voice kind of takes up residence within you and you incorporate it into your your own narrative into your self-talk, into your dialogue. So, you know, you might be in a work situation and see something really unjust happening or something really unjust happens to you and you get really angry. You go to say something or do something and then that voice kicks in. Don't get angry. And suddenly you're in conflict with yourself because you feel like you should be doing something or saying something, but this narrative inside of you is so strong it taps into that that kind of lizard part of your brain, the precognitive, and, and it kind of shuts down your motor skills. <clears throat> so if we're saying that value comes from other people, comes from external sources, what I'm hearing you, or what I heard you describe earlier is how you're, you're kind of reframing um, and you're redefining your character, you're redefining those conditions for yourself. Um, so I guess we'll, I, where I'm going to go now is how do we, A, begin to recognize what are the key conditions that have brought me to this point, my conditions of worth that have been given to me, um, and where does the big other start? And Or rather, where does the big other stop and I begin? Um, and then how do we begin to redefine values for ourselves that are going to serve us rather than values that are given to us for us to serve other people? Mm. Asking for a friend. <laughs> you really now, Harris? <laughs> I'm asking for me. We need to throw you to the therapist. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? You know what will bust me up one day is if I go to my what my um my practice uh -huh. wherever and I open the door and someone's just being dragged there by, <laughs> by a friend. Or <laughs> and I'm like, take him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. Okay, so how do you you're, you're asking how do you get away from those conditions of worth, right? I think the first thing is how do you even how do you even identify them? How do you identify it? Because you've studied it, psychotherapy, you have looked into this, you have done this studying, learning. and I will continue studying for the rest of my days, fam. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, all right, yeah, but yeah, I get yeah. You, but I you're in that process of learning. So for someone who's not come across these concepts before, how do yeah. they even know that this is happening? You don't. Wow. <laughs> Do you know, and do you know why you don't? Because these are the these are the rules 
these are the that these are the rules that govern mm. yeah that govern the values of and beliefs and behaviors that you have mm. and if you break those rules you expect to be disapproved of rejected right. and and your whole concept is just molded by the by the fact that if you break these rules you will no longer be loved uh-huh. but it's a it's a huge form of our personalities right yeah if uh, you and we just and then we start to interact with one another and your governing rules mm-hmm. growing up may mm-hmm. have been different to my governing rules yeah growing up and then i could just be like this isn't true but i could come to, i could be like oh harris is a messy person yeah like, bun that like yeah like i could never do that because i'm a tidy person yeah but you're are you a tidy person or are you so are you afraid of Ooh. making a mess oh pause so, pause oh <laughs> wow that is the thing these are wow. the things that we you know and it's it's asking these questions it's wow. asking the questions and this, and this is why and this is why I say like you will never know until you start asking the questions of yourself Ooh. why is it that I feel that I've I can't do anything on a Sunday mm. maybe because growing up like this is my own this is me leaking my own stuff yeah like yeah. Yeah. I feel like I can't do anything on a Sunday not mm-hmm. that I, I genuinely don't like doing things on Sundays mm-hmm. but I know there was a period of time mm where I was like, I can't do anything on a Sunday. Mm. I shouldn't do anything on a Sunday. All yeah, the yeah. can'ts, the shouldn'ts, yeah. the ought not to, you yeah. know, the musts, the mustn'ts, and all these things, right? Mm. Because why? Oh, because um, I go church in the morning, used to go church in the morning, mm-hmm. and I, and you know, and, and it's not a day for friends, it's a day for family, and mm-hmm. blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Why can't you go to? Why can't you go abroad for Christmas on holiday mm-hmm. by yourself without your family? Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's family time, and my family will look down on me if I do X, Y, and Z. All these conditions of worth. If it's something, if it's something that you wouldn't do, mm. because other people are governing how you feel about a situation, it's probably a key indicator. Probably a key indicator because they probably don't even feel that way <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a general sense, right? Yeah. They'll probably be like, oh, "Okay, go on holiday, enjoy yourself." Yeah. If you if you say it, but we get so caught up in these beliefs and values mm-hmm. that we just start to say, "Oh, I'm then." Then you show up at Christmas, you show up at birthdays, and you're and you're vex and ah. looking at you like, "Why ah. are you vex? <laughs> like, Why are you like this? Like, <laughs> you're so miserable. You're so blah 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 blah." <laughs> And all this stuff, and, and and now you're and now you're like I can't be miserable now because yeah. Oh, and now it's this cycle yeah. of just things because you are like I wanted to go on holiday, and mm. these and and it was these lot that are keeping me here, and you're just like once you start to shift your values and understand conditions of worth and what and what that looks like for mm. you and that you start to restructure and redefine them, and once you redefine it, then you can say then you can start to say. Nah, I'm good. Ugh. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go this way, and I'm gonna sort myself out, and I'm gonna do what I want to do. Or you restructure it and be like, 
I understand why I felt that way about coming home for Christmas or staying home on Sundays or doing all these different things. Mm. Now, I still do that, but it's because I want to do that. Yeah. It's because I want to stay home with my family on Sundays. It's something that I think I, sh- I would like to do. I would like to stay with my parents for a while and make sure they're okay. Spend time with my sisters or my brothers or my cousins, yeah. see my nieces, my nephews, should you be blessed enough to have any. Mm. Or not. Mm. You know what I mean? I want to spend time with my friends. Okay, cool. Then go spend time with your friends. Mm. I think once we start to figure that out, mm. And that was a lot of therapy, first and foremost. That wasn't, this wasn't from me studying it. Okay. This is from a therapy though. And then I kind of went into it in depth. Okay. And I, re- and I recognized it while studying. Um, and it was, um, so yeah, that's, and, and that's, in, that's an important place to, place to start. Mm. What are these actions you or others? Mm, that's good so yeah because I, I, I was going to ask if if we can't even see the problem let's call it a problem if we can't even see the problem how do we know that there is a better alternative we could just be running around thinking we're living our best lives and but but the, but no seriously but then because the, the question for me was then well then how do you identify if this is an issue or not, given that the issue itself is invisible. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is that therapy was the doorway through which you were able to not just identify, okay, this thing is a problem, but to conceptualize, conceptualize and then actualize a better future. I'm a projector, bro. Hey. That's, that's what I'd be seeing <laughs> but at the same time also it's about emotional maturity okay, okay. and about understanding that as well here we go because also when we when we are born into families we're born in sometimes we're born into families that aren't emotionally mature Ooh. and they want and, and they want you to be the same as them uh-huh. you see what I mean uh-huh. like um <clears throat> mm. there's a book I'm gonna put in the <clears throat> show notes called um, adult children of emotionally immature parents. Right, adult children of emotionally immature parents, by Lindsay Gibson, mm-hmm. and um, they want you to be in that same thing. They want you to be. They want you to go to church on Sunday mm-hmm. the same way they did. They want you to cook the same things that they did. They want you to dress the way that they taught you to dress growing up. They want you to do all of these things, have kids by this time, be a grandparent by that time, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And if you deviate from that in any way, shape or form, yeah. you are rejecting them, you're rejecting their family, mm-hmm. you are all of these different things. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of different stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think, and it's just, and there's so much that happens in us. And I think that when we start to cross the gender line, like, you know, men are taught to be a particular way. If they Mm -hmm. deviate from that way, it's a problem. Women are taught to be a certain way. If they deviate from that way, it's a problem. Yeah. You know? And then you place the fact of non-binarism yeah. In between the two, yeah. And 
you know, you've got something that's so completely different to what anybody has ever experienced that that's they they have put themselves in the way of harm, yeah, and danger, and emotional difference and all this different stuff. You put you know, and then you start to branch out, dating people that mm. the family wouldn't necessarily approve of, whether that be a, a different race, a different gender. Mm-hmm. Different, re- different religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. Some people even go as far as a different town. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's real. As soon as you do that, you're you're breaking up. You're one of them. <laughs> so this is so okay, but this is this is very hard because now now what we're talking about because we started off we're talking about the individual and we're talking about self actualization. We're talking about coming to know ourselves but now now we're moving into that but within the context of a tribe a tribe yeah go on with the understanding that a family unit is a tribe um or you know your town is your tribe or your city can be a tribe this country can be a tribe or in sense in the sense that there are certain rules there are certain social norms. There are conditions of worth where when you begin to push against those, when you begin to break those, suddenly you threaten your your space. You, you threaten your standing within the tribe. And so I guess this is the, this is the kind of secondary challenge that doing this, this work, going on this journey to challenge those conditions of worth or even to recognize them and then to begin to move beyond them can potentially cost you your place in your tribe. For sure. Um, That's where anxiety and shame come from, Mm. typically. Um, Mm. They are, they're there for a reason. (laughs) What is it that my friend Malachi Dunn told me? He's a psychotherapeutic counsellor I think he's soon to be a psychotherapist he's um and he works down in Deb El Cornwall not Devon and he um he was on the show last year and he basically explained that shame keeps you inside the group mm-hmm. because once you leave the group that's where you, and that's where you start to feel an element of difference. Yeah. So Other. once you, um, yeah, mm. once you uh, step outside of the gates of the front door and you don't look back, you're no longer and people and people behind the door are like you're dead to me. You're no longer this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Don't come back here mm-hmm. until you until you change and come back mm. that's where a lot of that's kind of a interesting way of you know mm. explaining shame mm. it keeps you within the group like it keeps you within the group anxiety yeah. is what's hap- what happens when you're outside of the group though <laughs> as well interesting. you know yeah because now you're not safe so interesting when you're not safe now you're anxious. You're like, oh, what could happen? Mm. Do you know? Yeah. 
I'm sure some people are going to say, okay, but I experience anxiety at the thought of moving out of the group or the thought of losing my tribe, the thought of being shut out. Yeah. So where does that play into that dynamic? You feel anxiety at the thought of being shut out. Yeah. Because there's a thought that's been put into you that mm-hmm. says if you act a particular way, you will be shut out. Something's already been presented to you that's providing you that thought. These thoughts just don't come out of nowhere. You know? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, yeah. What did you... Ha-? You know when you get older, you start speaking to your parents and they're adults. Yeah. And then they said, I don't know where you got that idea from. Yeah. From you. Dude. <laughs> when, you when you were talking to me. Not the time of day. Oh, when my you were talking goodness. to me kind of wreck in June. Wow. And I had... And all I had was my little ice lolly and my little ice lolly change. Wow. And then you're trying to tell me that I can't have ice lollies. See what I'm saying? <laughs> um, because I'm too fat or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, that never happened to me, by the way. But should it yeah. have happened should yeah. it, these are the kind of yeah. things that happen to a lot of kids and um yeah and they think to myself oh my god if i have an ice lolly it's going to i'm going to be fat and i'm not going to be loved i'm not going to be did and wow it happens a lot of these things are projected into us from an early mm. age um and you know typically not always but typically your family is where you're safest. Yeah. And when they, and when I say safe, I mean familiar, you know, literally you, familiar. familiar. You have you you know you either you know what's there. <laughs> yeah, like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the whole Godfather series is about keeping the family close. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. Um so yeah, you know what's there. Even though the even though that family was absolutely unsafe it was a violent mm. thing but you know that you're protected if you but once you leave that environment yeah there's always a level of i'm watching peaky blinders right now mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. i'm on season one so if you've seen it don't spoil it <laughs> um but you know they're a group of they're they're like what three or four brothers and a sister uh-huh. and the sister decides to go her own way yeah and you know not that anything whatever what as what I've seen so far but has told me much but um she goes her own way and life's a bit risky for her. Yeah. Because her brother because she's outside the family now. Yeah. And she's a woman so and married, so her surname's different. Mm. So again, you step outside of the family, you're unsafe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's kind of where it comes from. And I'm worried we're going off on tangents. But the idea is that that's kind of where that's where those things come from so would it be fair to say then that anxiety in that context would be like a foreshadowing or a foresight into the feeling of being outside of the group it still comes from right. outside the group it, yeah it's that feeling of if I get thrown out will I be able to survive without you and if you're in a okay, there are some societies and some communities, mm-hmm. some families where, if if the man steps out or deviates or has a different career, he'd probably be shunned by his paternal figure, typically. Mm-hmm. But he'd probably be shunned. 
and he has to then go and navigate his way in the world mm-hmm. um completely dolo dolo and do society is set up for men to do that solo some people who happen to be women may have their economic yeah. abilities tied up in their family. Yeah. So your dad pays for your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to marry an Englishman? You want to marry a man who has no money or X, Y, and Z, or you want to marry someone of a different race, Mm -hmm. or you want to marry someone of a different gender, Mm -hmm. or you want to do anything that you know we will disapprove of, Mm. we'll cut you off. Yeah. And and as we already know, the pay gap between men and women is huge. It would take 200 years, quote-unquote, to rectify, which I still don't understand. I'm going to have to do some research and reading into that. Mm. But, so they so they stay. And this happens in domestic violence cases. This happens in families mm. where no domestic violence is present, but say the woman wants to go, can't necessarily because she doesn't have the money the resources to do that so again will i survive on the outside is it i think that's a human existential question that we have yeah a lot of the time um i experience it with regards to being at home Mm. i like if i leave the like for a while less so now but Mm. for a while I was like, if I leave, if I leave home, will I be able to afford it? All this mm. stuff that's happening in the world today, mm. energy prices going up, renters are being forced to do X, Y, and Z, landlords are being forced to do X, Y, and Z, and not necessarily being the kindest about it. Mm-hmm. Um, landowners are, you know, mm-hmm. p- pushing down on landlords and all this different stuff, and everything. Everybody's pushing down on people, and. Um, you know, you think to yourself, can I afford to leave the house? Mm. Would I be able to pay my bills each month? Oh, no. So I'm going to stay in this job that I hate because ultimately it means that I can still afford to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm losing a bit of myself each day because I'm not cl- I'm not claiming those parts of me, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And... Um, yeah, I think this is the journey. I think this is the conversations we need to be having that we're going to be having going forward anyway mm. about what it means to be to be human, to be men, mm. to be black men, mm. to be millennial, to be here. Mm. Like, what does it? What does any of this mean? It's hard. And to be healing. And to well, be and to be healing. On top of all of that, as if we didn't have enough job already. <laughs> as if we didn't have enough drama. That's what I mean. <sighs> but yeah, kind of. T- kind of want to throw a question out to 
I, I want to ask, how do you know who you are? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> If you could see, if you could see Alex's face, wow, fish. Wow. One day there'll be video content from this podcast. Uh, <laughs> one day. But until then, when, no. when yeah, when we when we've got a hairstylist on budget for me, then we can have video content. <laughs> TVH. I can't turn up looking dragon like this uh, honestly but you're right i mean that's 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 the that's the question how do we know who we are hmm. and that's and i think that is the great that is the great existential question that's what we end up finding out as we as we exist and go through this life wow. we find out who we are if we are so willing to endeavor that far yeah to that ain't nobody trying to do that sometimes it's a lot it's a lot of stuff um, so we're going to have to wrap up a bit, aren't we? We are. I forgot to start. Um, okay. But before you, before you do your final blogs and stuff, there's, there's a question that I have. What's something that you've heard come up from people who have fed back to you about the book? Something that has challenged or surprised you? Surprise me. Surprise you or challenge you no, to no, no, think no. about an issue another way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what surprised me yeah. is that how much people related. Mm. Men, women, non binary humans, mm. how many related to the book and really connected. Mm-hmm. What's challenged me is having to push it out there Mm. all the time. I'm not good at self-promotion, guys. I'm very bad at it. But that was the big challenge. It was the big challenge was basically saying, this is my my thing. Buy it. Because yeah. it feeds back into that value piece again, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, readers have messaged me and they've said they've loved it. They are sending it to their friends. They're, mm. they're buying it for their partners and their brothers and That's siblings. Beautiful. And, That's beautiful. and, yeah, I mean, that's great to hear. That is really great to hear. Um, yeah, so far I've just been pleasantly surprised. Mm. Pleasantly surprised by it all, to be fair. That's amazing. What yeah. a beautiful thing, Alex, that you've done, seriously. Putting that body of work out into the world. And it is impacting people, seriously. It's an incredible thing. Thank you, man. Thank you. Listeners, go and buy a copy of the book. Post it on your Instagram. 
and give it to someone that you love. Yeah. Do that. And tag it, time to talk. Tag it. Tag it, tag it, baby. Tag it, tag it, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you for listening if you got this far. Um, yeah. Where can they find you? If you want them to find you. You can find me on Instagram at the one Harris, T H E one the number H A R R I S. Um my website is the one shot uk, but it is being revamped. So mm-hmm. hold hold that space. Mm-hmm. New things soon come. Yeah. Um Listeners, I'm going to need you to convince me to keep Instagram. I'm very close to... This is real. I'm very close to it becoming an element of my past. This is so And real. not my future. This is so um, real. So, convince me, I beg. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But if not, you can, you can keep up with me weekly over at alexholmes.substack.com where mm-hmm. I write my weekly liminal newsletter blog post things um and yeah we'll be here we'll be here i don't know how, well okay i don't know when we're going to be back mm-hmm. because there are some things we need to iron out lots of ironing to do a lot of ironing there's bare creases <laughs> and you know sometimes you know when the, the things so crease up and you just, just dash away the clothes <laughs> and just find a fresh thing <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah um, got a lot of ironing to do um, but when we're back we'll be back but I hope yeah. that you enjoyed this episode and you know what to do rate, review, subscribe do all the things that I would love mm. for you to do for me on this happy birthday of this book <laughs> um, Spotify reviews would be wonderful ratings apple reviews would be good and if you want your question read out just write a review and write the question in the review and then we can we can go from there all right and alex is tentatively and for the time being on instagram at by alex holmes i'll be trying, I'll be trying. <laughs> um and if people want to email a question, can they email um, the Time to Talk email? Yeah, tttalkpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can DM one of us questions. Yeah. I'm alive in the DMs. That's usually where Richard camps. I just IG, I just sent you an IG DM. I'm like, I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> Can't you just email me like everybody else? <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rich, I'm gonna love you and leave you. You got that. I'm gonna love someone. you got listeners and leave you guys. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure. Always, always.